0: Gentlemen, happy Father's Day. This is a you know, a special day obviously for for us, but kind of as a father I, I want to kind of look at how we as men are kind of exhorted and called in the scriptures to be better fathers. If we look at if we look at kind of the 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 basic Catholicism in today's world, one of the big criticisms that it gets Is the fact that it is a very male kind of led organization, and it's a very male led kind of—it's got a lot of men in the manuals, if you Um, will—and that's a a very very common uh, critique. One of the things that 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 is often noted, at least by scholars, is that if we look at the Bible, of the Bible, of like the sixty-six books of the Bible, only about three or four of them are named after women. The rest are named uh, after men. And in fact, if we look in the Bible and go a little bit deeper, and we do a word search on the word mother in the Bible, it shows up, I think, 383 times, the word mother, which is a good number of times. But if you do a word search on the word father in the Bible, it shows up 1,966 times. 1966 times, many, many more times than the word mother shows up in the Bible. So, in other words, when we look at the scriptures, you can see a very clear case that within the scriptures and indeed within the church, there's this thing called a patriarchy. A patriarchy, a term that, that is kind of often not appreciated in today's kind of day and age, the term, the title patriarchy. And on the one hand, it kind of makes it look, and on the surface, it certainly looks like, alright, this, this is very geared only toward men, so that must mean the church holds men as better than women. But I would assert that that's a very, very surface answer. And in fact, it's a very unsuitable answer, if you ask me. See, if we look at the Scriptures, the Scriptures are not written just simply to praise the Lord. There are certainly aspects of the Scriptures And there are certainly aspects of the Scriptures geared toward, you know, glorifying man. But if we really look at the Scriptures, that's only a very small part of the Scriptures. A large part of the Scriptures are actually admonitions against people. Hey, don't do this. Don't act like this. This is the rule for this. This is how you should behave this way, and this way, and this way. In other words, the Scriptures are fundamentally remedial. Another word for it is fundamentally pedagogical. Pedagogy meaning they're fundamentally geared toward teaching. They're geared toward teaching. And you don't teach people something they already know. That's a waste of time. You teach people something they don't already know. And if there's anything that we men don't know how to do, it's how to be fathers. If there's anything that we don't know how to do, is how to be fathers. That's a distinct difference from mothers. With women, women are geared and, and kind of naturally in their bodies, they remind them on a monthly basis that they're called to motherhood. They remind them on a, on a, on a regular basis of their vocation. The whole experience of, of the whole creating of a person it very much falls on the burden of a mother, and she has a very, very real and visceral experience of that. We don't have that experience. We don't have that experience. All right, that's we are we are much more removed bodily from that whole experience, which means we need a little bit more of a reminder, a little bit more of a, hey, this is what we're called to do. Hey, we need to step up. Hey, we need to lay down our lives. Hey, wake up, smell the roses and be a man. That's essentially what the scriptures are doing. It's not necessarily exalting men over women. It's calling men a task. And that's why time and time again, you see Jesus calling the men to task. He's always ripping into Pharisees. He's always ripping into apostles. doesn't really do that as much with the women. And I think it's very telling that we have a scripture and we have Jesus who comes in and reveals to us first and foremost what it means to be a father. How? By showing us that the Lord in heaven... First and foremost, is a father. This is a completely unique vision. Nowhere in the Old Testament is the Lord in heaven seen as a father. Nowhere in the Old Testament is it clearly viewed, and do people view him as as a father figure. But Jesus comes and he introduces us, us to that image. And then he does something else. He lives out what it means to be a father. And he says, the father is in me and I am in the father. In other words, whenever you look at me, You're looking at the father, God, the father. And which means when you look at me, you're actually looking at what it means and what it takes to be a father. So what does it take? What does it mean to be a father? And the first thing a father is, is said in our creed. What do we say? I believe in God, the father almighty, the father almighty. Almighty is the very first aspect that we put on God the Father, which means that we focus first and foremost on strength. A father, first and foremost, is strong. Period. He is called to be strong for his family in every way, shape, and form he can be. That can be physically, that can be mentally, and that, most importantly, is spiritually. Through the act of virtue, through rising to the occasion, through laying down his life. He's called to be a rock. He is called to be mighty. But here's the problem with that. Whenever we talk about the term mighty in today's day and age, what do we often think about? We tend to think about somebody who's capable of dominating other people. Somebody who's capable of fighting other people and winning. Somebody who's capable of ultimately defending their territory. We think of somebody who really isn't Christian. So how do we reconcile the two? How do we reconcile the need for fathers to be strong and yet still be Christ-like? And that's the second aspect of fatherhood. If we look at today's gospel, what does Jesus have? Jesus is the strongest of them all, the strongest of us all. What does he do? He sees his children. And what does he, what does he move toward? Not anger not a desire to, to whoop some tail, like not a desire to be, to be, to be mad, but instead he, it says at the sight of the crowds, Jesus' heart is moved with pity for them. Jesus' Jesus's heart is moved with pity for them. Another word that you can say, another word that you could insert here instead of pity is the word compassion. He had compassion. He recognized their suffering. He recognized their pain. And what does he do? He moves to remedy that. My friends, you cannot have compassion on another human being if you yourself do not have strength. You can't save the life of another human being if you yourself are also drowning. We are called, in other words, to use our strength as fathers To not lord it over people, but to be like Jesus and have compassion. Be like Jesus and have recognition that you and I are called to do what? To go out and to have pity on our fellow man. Especially pity on those people who need us. Which, most of the time, quite frankly, are our flock. Our family. The people that we love. The people who depend upon us. Those are the people that we're called to have compassion upon. Those are the people that we're supposed to be able to identify with, who are supposed to really suffer with. That's what compassion means. Compassion is a word that originated after Christianity. Come being the Latin word for with, and then passion basically being posse the Latin word for the suffering and the passion that Jesus experienced on the cross. In other words, what, what Jesus is calling us to do is to recognize That our strength is not meant to be a strength to lord over people, but a strength to emphasize with people and empathize with people and really appreciate their suffering as somebody standing on a rock ourselves, able to help. But There's one last aspect of fatherhood kind of emphasized in this passage. It's one thing for us as fathers to be strong, It's another thing for us as fathers to be compassionate. But what Jesus points out after he commissions the 12, after he names them as disciples and fathers for the people, what does he do? He says, without cost you have received, and without cost you are to give. Which means plain and simple, that we as fathers are called to be fundamentally generous. Generous fundamentally generous recognizing that we've been given so much we've been given so much in our life by God we've been given so much in our life by the Lord we've been given so many wonderful examples from Jesus and from our our friends our family maybe our own fathers we've been given a lot and chances are we didn't earn that chances are that's been given to us as a free loving compassionate gift which means that that's our call too Guys, generosity is hard. Very often we want to have compassion on people. Why? Because they might go and have compassion on us later on. Very often we might go and, and be nice to people. Why? Because they might be nice to us. But a man of strength, a man of character, a man of virtue doesn't care. He doesn't care if you love him back. He doesn't care if you actually, if you actually return the favor. He doesn't care if you actually pay him back doesn't matter to him. Why? Because he's strong. He's got the Lord. He's got the Lord. And so there's nothing to collect. There's nothing you can give him that he doesn't already have. And that's the call of Jesus Christ. He's calling us as men to be generous, to be compassionate, and ultimately to be strong. But how do we do that? How do we really kind of adopt those three virtues that are really hard to adopt, let's be honest. And if we do it on our own, we're probably going to fail. And he does it, he, he, he proposes that in a very interesting way. You see, in today's passage, Jesus sees the flock and he says, they're a sheep without a shepherd, I need to do something. And so what does he do? He goes to his disciples and he picks 12 men, but he doesn't first ask them, to go out and fix the problem, he doesn't first ask them to go out and do something about this. No, that's not what he does at all. Instead, he goes up to them and he says, "Ask the master of the harvest to send out laborers for his harvest." He looks at his laborers and he says, "Hey, go ask the master for more laborers for, for for not even for more laborers for laborers." <coughs> Excuse me. What does that mean? It means that before you and I can be strong, before you and I can be compassionate, before you and I can be generous, we need to be prayerful. We need to turn to the Lord and ask for His grace and ask for His love and ask for His mercy and ask for His example. Because otherwise, you know what's going to happen? We're going to mess it up. We're going to cause more harm than good by being compassionate and generous and strong we're going to end up actually creating more problems than solving them if we don't have the Lord. And so my my friends, I want to encourage us, my fellow fathers, let's go out today with a different mindset. A mindset not to fix all the problems of the world, a mindset not to necessarily be the heroes of our own story, but a mindset to lean on the Lord and ask Him for the grace, ask Him for the ability Ask him to fulfill his promise to help us in being shepherds for our flock by being strong, compassionate, and generous. Amen.